Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. There was this one time I went to New Braunfels and, you know, to ride the rapids and I was sitting off on the side, and there's this little waterfall that people kept going over, and they get stuck in it. If you ever see the New Braunfels waterfall, don't ride that thing, okay? Don't go over that little wall. It'll, it'll spin you in circles. Here comes this older woman, and uh, she was in a tube. Well, she got stuck in that thing, and it turned her cartwheels all over the place, and people were just, oh, oh. And I'm thinking, I got to do something. I, I, I can't just sit here. So I remember I jumped out there. Just took whatever I could get. She, I mean, a couple arms went around, a couple legs went around, bloop, 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 bloop. Like, I just grabbed what I could get and pulled her out. And then we got hit in the current, and then the current took us. I got right around behind her, and I kind of got like I was in a sitting position. I put her kind of in my lap, and I, I took the rocks and stuff. I said, you're okay, you're okay, we got you. We went downstream a little ways until it got a little easier. Then her husband come up, and... And uh, they thanked me. It was wonderful. It was a wonderful thing. I was glad to be there. But that moment hit me. Everybody's just standing around going, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, what's she going to do? What's she going to do? And it hit me. I can't just sit here. You can't just sit there. Something's got to be done. It's got to be done right now. And we're going to see this in Ezra chapter 9. He found out there were Israelites that came back from exile, and they had started intermarrying with God-hating pagans. That was a violation of God's law that the Lord said would bring them right back into destruction again. And Ezra's watching this, and so I'm calling today's message, Ezra chapter 10, we can't just sit here. So we're going to start in Ezra 10 and verse 1. It was the confession of improper marriages. Now, while Ezra was praying and while he was confessing, weeping, and bowing before the, the house of God, A very large assembly of men, women, and children gathered to him from Israel, for the people wept very bitterly. See, they're afraid they're going to go back in captivity over this. Verse 2, And Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, one of the sons of Elam, spoke up and said to Ezra, We have trespassed against our God and have taken pagan wives from the peoples of the land. Yet now there is hope in Israel in spite of this. And that's how God works. (laughs) No matter how bad it looks, there's always going to be some hope in spite of what's going on. So the situation, it just looks bad. But I'm so glad that there was somebody around to say, there's still hope. We're not gone yet. We still have an option of working with the Lord on how to resolve this. Now, I want us to be reminded again, I think it's important to go over this again, because if somebody hears Ezra 10 on its own and they didn't catch 9, They're really not going to get this chapter. This is a brutal chapter here. I want us to remember why this intermarriage was so bad. 
This was a violation of a commandment that the Lord himself stated in Deuteronomy 7, verse 1. It says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you, and when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly try to work things out with them. Doesn't say that, it says destroy them. Destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them, nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter for your son, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. That's the danger here. Destruction. Ah, come on. I married somebody. No big deal. Okay. Destruction. Hello. Did that register yet? (laughs) I want to make sure we got that clear. This is destruction. You're going to get killed over this. Now, the pagans that they had married, they would absolutely not give up their old belief system of false gods. They were never going to turn to the Lord God. They would push the Israelites to abandon the Lord again, and then the end result would be their destruction. These pagan people are trouble. Friends, the Bible literally says, don't hang out with troublemakers. Get away from them. I know this chapter is going to seem kind of unfair, but that's because we have today, we have no idea what it was like for the Israelites to be dragged off into captivity. I guarantee you, if an enemy nation came here and dragged us away and made slaves out of us, destroyed your career, destroyed your dreams, probably killed off some of your family members that weren't able to survive it, trust me, you would have an indescribable determination to never go back to what you were doing before. We need to get in the mindset of what happened to these people. You would shake with fear. You would be willing to do anything that the Lord commanded you if you found out that what you were doing had angered him, because provoking God's wrath would risk you having to go through that all over again. I hope we understand the setting before we go through this tough chapter, because it's going to get rough. Now, this is why Ezra and his friends had to weep very bitterly. They were very upset. We stand a chance of blowing it all over again. They had probably had memories of family and friends that they remember didn't survive long enough to make it back home again. And so now to see these returned exiles turning away from God already, already they're turning away from God and doing what he told them not to do. It was just too much to take. That's why they're weeping bitterly. These people here doing this intermarriage business, they could not see the danger of what they were doing. But Ezra and his ministers, they could see. They could see what was coming. And their thought was, we can't just sit here. We have to do something. Ezra 10 and 3. Now, therefore, let us make a covenant with our God to put away all these wives and those who have been born to them, according to the advice of my master and of those who tremble at the commandment of our God. And let it be done according to the law. Arise, for this matter is your responsibility. We also are with you. Be of good courage and do it. Now, again, uh, you're probably thinking this is very controversial. They're going to say, wives, goodbye. Children, you're out of here. 
wait a minute, that's not fair. Okay, there goes our cultural thinking again. We don't understand what it's like to be them. I have got to get you in their mindset of what they've been through and how hard it and how bad it was, or you're not going to get the rest of this chapter. I want you to think like the Jews in that time after a 70-year-plus captivity, okay? We've got to remember that these pagan people would not ever worship the Lord God. They were not going to do that. And the Lord told them so. God himself said that they would not worship him. These pagans, they were going to steal and destroy every, every blessing that the Israelites could have. He foretold this is what's coming. You hang with these people, you're going to get in trouble again. I want you to weigh it out like this, though. Is it better to tell these people to leave or tell God to leave? I'm keeping my sin. I'm, I want my sin. It's going to kill you. Yeah, but I'm keeping it. God, you got to go. I'm keeping my sin. Weigh it out like that, okay? Tough story, but that's what it is. Okay, now this was a heavy task to take on. I mean, imagine if you were Ezra. I'm just trying to put myself in Ezra's shoes. I've got to go tell all these guys, you've got to tell your wives to get out of here and your children. That's not easy. How do you do that? What do you do? Uh, He's probably thinking, how am I going to do this? What am I supposed to say? What should I even do about it? I I wouldn't have the first clue of what to do. Well, thankfully, Ezra was reassured by Shechaniah. He had an encourager. It's always good to have an encourager in your life. He says, you're not alone. We understand the severity of this problem. We're here with you. And he encouraged Ezra that they could do this together. We'll do all this together. It won't just be on you. You can be of encouragement to somebody in your life, somebody somewhere that is beat up, dragged down, hurt. You need to go encourage them. I'm with you. And sometimes that's enough. You don't have to come with all the answers. You just need to say, I'm here. Whatever it is, we'll do it together, okay? That's a big help to people. It is absolutely critical for leaders to have an encourager. I have encouragers here in this church. Thank you all. Even the best and the strongest of people can fall into despair. You know, when you're a downer, what what, what do they call that woman, Debbie Downer? It was she on some TV show. If it was profane, I'm sorry. I never really watched it. So don't, don't label me. Oh, Ray watches Debbie Downer. I don't know who she is. I just know the term. As I understand it, Debbie Downer was always this, but don't be a Debbie Downer. Be an encourager. Encourage people. Now, just besides encouragement, Shechaniah also had wisdom. He had a wise way that they should proceed forward by suggesting they take their action according to the law. Don't just do it the way you think. We're going to do it according to the law. They were going to do this by God's word. Oh, here's the good news in this. When you're confronted with a tough situation, you don't know what to do. Go according to God's word. What does it say at God's word? I don't know. Read it. <laughs> if you're not reading, <laughs> I can help you. I can encourage you, but you got to read. Shechaniah, he probably, I'm guessing he may have pulled out Deuteronomy 7, just like I showed you. And they were probably ready with Deuteronomy 7 to show it to anyone that tried any pushback to make them accountable to God's word. No, don't. It's not my opinion, brother. It's right here in Deuteronomy 7. God said it. Read it right here because we're going to do this according to the law. When you encourage people, don't throw your opinion at them. Your opinion is no better than theirs, okay? <laughs> Give them God's word. Give them something with power. There's no power in my opinion. You don't come here to hear my opinion. You don't care about my opinion. 
I don't care to really give it to you either. <laughs> but God's word, I'll talk that all day. They were going to give them God's word so that nobody could dismiss them as opinion. Well, that's your opinion. Well, that's what you think. I'm not going to get rid of my, li- of my wife and my kids. Wait a minute. God's word. Look at what it says. You want destruction? Oh, I see what you're saying. Now you got some power in there. Shek and I have placed God's word up front as a safeguard for themselves, as a standard for them to follow on how to resolve this issue. You need a standard in your life, a standard, the standard of God's word on how to get things done. Now, showing the people what God's law had to say about this, that would be the best way to get them to see the full scope of the problem. Obviously, they don't see what's wrong yet, so they have to hit them with God's word. Friends, when you call other people to repentance, don't just tell them, well, you should, because I think so. That does absolutely no good. You've got to give them God's word. Give them something with power and substance to it, okay? Ezra 10, verse 5, Then Ezra arose and made the leaders of the priests, the Levites, and all Israel swear an oath that they would do according to this word. I can just hear them. Don't you go telling people because I say so or I think so. You do according to this word. So they swore an oath. Then Ezra rose up from before the house of God and went into the chamber of Jehonan, the son of Eliashib. And when he came there, he ate no bread and drank no water, for he mourned because of the guilt of those from the captivity. And they issued a proclamation throughout all Judah and Jerusalem to all the descendants of the captivity, that they must gather at Jerusalem, and that whoever would not come within three days, according to the instructions of the elders and the leaders, all his property would be confiscated, and he himself would be separated from the assembly of those from the captivity. (laughs) I told you this was a tough chapter. So they laid down an ultimatum. This was a call to repentance. What you're doing is wrong, and anyone that doesn't show up within three days, you're going to lose everything you have. You better show up. If you don't show up, we're going to take everything you got. You'll be expelled from the nation, which means they would also lose their legal rights as citizens. Now, these leaders were dead serious about getting sent out of the nation, and the priest leaders even took an oath to uphold it. Now, back then, oaths were punishable by death. When you made an oath, you did not back out. They were very serious about their oaths back then. So they called the whole nation to repentance, and everybody had to personally report in so that they could conduct investigations of each family's status to see how many kids they had. Did did you marry a pagan wife or not? Now, another reason why they're acting so fast on these matters is because of the king of Persia. You remember, he set Ezra up as the nation's leader, and he instructed Ezra in Ezra 7, verse 26. He said, whoever will not observe the law of your God and the law of the king, let judgment be executed speedily on him, whether it be death or banishment or confiscation of goods or imprisonment. Okay, so Ezra, he's putting all this into effect. And it's not just his opinion, it's not just the word of God, but it's also the authority of the king is behind it. Oh, I see a gospel parallel already. When you call people to repentance, you do it by the authority of the king, you do it by the word of God, and you do it because sin should not be allowed to fester among you. Now, I believe that God influenced the king of Persia to give Ezra this authority 
Because God knew already that Ezra was going to have to deal with this intermarriage problem before it ever came up. So the Lord sent Ezra home with the Persian king's authority to deal with trouble quickly because God wanted this trouble dealt with quickly. Friends, I'll tell you, you get trouble in your home, in your life, deal with it fast. Don't, well, I'll get around to it later. If your house caught on fire, well, that's just one corner. I'll get the extinguisher later. I got things I got to do. You, you take care of it now because it'll spread to the whole thing. Deal with it quick. So Ezra had the royal authority. He, he summoned the two tribes that had been back already from the Babylonian captivity. That was the tribe of Judah and Benjamin. And it was time for everybody to come in. Now it's time for the investigation or else you're going to face punishment for it. Ezra 10 verse 9 So all the men of Judah and Benjamin gathered at Jerusalem within three days. It was the ninth month on the 20th of the month, and all the people sat in the open square of the house of God, trembling because of this matter and because of heavy rain. Then Ezra the priest stood up and said to them, You have transgressed and have taken pagan wives, adding to the guilt of Israel. Now therefore make confession to the Lord, God of your fathers, and do his will, separate yourselves from the peoples of the land and from the pagan wives. Now imagine the crowds look, the look on their face when they heard this news. Let them go. They got to get out of here. Now I bet that was a scary time. And it took three months to do this investigation because we're given a timestamp showing right here when they started the investigation. Later on in verse 17, we're going to be given another timestamp when they finished. It took three months to do it. That was a long, scary three months of serious business. It says they trembled before God. And you can tell how their fear drove them to get right with God because they were even willing to sit through thunderstorms to get it done. That rain we had yesterday, I was thinking about that. It was pouring down like cats and dogs right here. I thought, imagine if I sat out there, if I was so, if the Lord said, sit in that thunderstorm to get right with me, I would do it. (laughs) They're scared. These people were distressed out of great fear of God's wrath. When God is mad at you, you don't tell him, not now, I'll deal with it later. You say, yes, sir, how high do you want me to jump? God's mad, his wrath on you, you act. They were afraid because they broke his law and that they had fallen away from him. So they were given the one resolution that could spare them. Separate yourselves from the pagans. Separate yourselves from the pagan wives and their children. I don't like this, Ray. I don't like this. I know. Sin is a messy son of a gun, isn't it? Ezra 10, verse 12. Then all the assembly answered and said with a loud voice, Yes, as you have said, so we must do. But there are many people. It is the season for heavy rain, and we are not able to stand outside, nor is this the work of one or two days, for there are many of us who have transgressed this matter. Please let the leaders of our entire assembly stand and let all those in our cities who have taken pagan wives come at appointed times together with the elders and judges of their cities until the fierce wrath of our God is turned away from us. In this matter, then only Jonathan, the son of Ezahel, and Jehaziah, the son of Tigvah, opposed this. And Meshalam and Shabbatai, the Levite, gave them support. 
the three months here hasn't passed yet. The, they're, they're just starting the three-month investigation, but the people knew this is going to take a lot of time if we all just assemble right here in this one place. It's going to take a lot of time to get done. The problem was so widespread. They were so scared, and they were so petrified of God's wrath, they wanted a way to get their sins dealt with right now fast. I wish I could see that in our nation right now. I wish I could see that in our country, in our world. People just coming in saying, we got to get right with the Lord. I don't care what it takes to do it. I'll run through thunderstorms. i I got to get it done now. i got to get right with the Lord. Our nation, our world right now, they don't care. But look at this story. Look how good this is turning out. They wanted it done now. So they said, anybody in violation, can we just make an appointment to meet with a leader that's in our own town? and settle everything, all these th- matters with leaders in our own towns. Instead of doing it all here, how about we just go to local leaders and get it all done quickly? And I think that was a good suggestion. Because you know how it is when you live in a small town, don't you? When you live in a small town, everybody knows your business. Now here comes accountability. <laughs> it's easy to walk away from people that don't know you and say, yeah, I'll get right. It's harder to walk away from people that know where you live and where you go and what you do. Having local leaders deal with each violation, that is accountability right there. Nobody could lie. Nobody could slip through the cracks because someone from their town would speak up and say, Nah, I know this guy. He's trying to sneak out of this. They weren't going to be able to get away so easy. This suggestion was great because it's going to be done quicker and it's going to be done better and it's going to be done with accountability. These people realized, oh, shoot, we messed up. We messed up bad. And they want to get right with the Lord and they want to get right with him now, fast, because they know they're in big, big trouble if they don't. Christians, are you hearing me? We messed up. And we have got to get right with the Lord. Even if you're saved and you're doing something that you know the Lord doesn't like, from this story, I hope you get get the sense, you better get right with the Lord now, today. Don't put this off. Get right fast. Ezra 10, 16. Then the descendants of the captivity did so. And Ezra the priest, with certain heads of the father's households, were set apart by the father's households, each of them by name, and they sat down on the first day of the tenth month to examine the matter. By the first day of the first month, they finished questioning all the men who had taken pagan wives. Okay, so we have another timestamp. Investigations began just 11 days after that original call-in, because now everybody's gone home to have their cases examined individually and locally. So the people, they knew that divorce in this sense, if you're thinking along those lines, it is not a good thing. But the spiritual purity of the nation before God was the matter at hand here. Guys, I want to say that I think they understood that holy matrimony is not holy in the first place if it's in violation of God's word to begin with. We have arguments of marriage going on right now like, you know, oh, I'm sure you know arguments about marriage all over the place if it's not holy in the first place it is not holy marriage it's not holy matrimony and i think they just recognize this
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.